Well, good morning. Um, if this is your first time here and you're a visitor, we say welcome. Um, my name is Israel Martinez, and I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor. Um, we are, as Brian said, doing some renovations, so uh, pardon us for some of the uh, ugliness, but we're getting there, slowly but surely. And so uh, pray for us. We pray that this will be a space that we use to rent out and serve the community that way and also a place that helps our church grow and house us better. And so we are in a vision and mission series, and what we've been going through is what we call our ultimate mission. So if you came in and saw that first flag facing you, you should have seen, um, or if you look at our website, it's going to be one of the most prominent things we see, because our mission is what we say, it's who we are. It's not just us as Redeemer, but it's us as Christians. It's just like stealing from the Bible is what we should do, and plastering it over ourselves so we know what it means to actually, what we call, what we say, uh, this ultimate mission is, is learning and living or understanding and living this ultimate mission, which is to love God, love people, make disciples of all nations for God's glory. So this week we're going to be um, in the third part of that, and that will be the uh, make disciples portion. And so also we have a vision as a church. Our vision is not who we uh, are necessarily yet, although God has given us portions of all those pieces, but we have a goal. A vision is just a goal. So our goal is that we would be a church that would be gospel-centered, that we would be multi-ethnic, uh, uh, and that would, we would be multilingual. One day we want to have a Spanish service, and that we would be a church that plants churches. And so again, God has given us pieces of all that, and we are going towards that. Um, again, we are in that third uh, section of our mission statement, and, and it is simply to make disciples. And so we will be studying and learning today from Luke 24, 36 through 53. So if you have your Bible, open up to Luke 24, 36 through 53. We're going to look at a few other passages, but this will be our main anchor passage. And we have three main points today. And so if you're a note taker, I'm not, but I like, I, I've heard uh, people have told me preach that way. It helps people stay on track. And so um, hopefully this will help you. Uh, three main points. Our, our main idea today is that we must be true disciples who make disciples. But our three points under that is that we must be true disciples of Jesus. We must be true disciples who make disciples. And then our third point is, so let's just go. Let's go and make disciples who make disciples. So again, our big idea is that we must be true disciples who make disciples. So it is our human nature to follow people, to follow a leader, a leader, whether it's a good leader or a bad leader, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Ever been young and dumb in high school or guys, right, um, gals too? We've done dumb things. We follow people. Even if you think you're not following someone or learning from someone, you're actually deceived because we're all following someone or something. You see, everyone is either following or being discipled into the kingdom of God or into the kingdom of this world led by Satan and his demons. And so it's our human nature, whether good or bad, to follow. And so has there ever been someone that you follow? Um, who, who is that person? Think, think about it right now. Like, who, who do I follow? Maybe I don't know. Who is that person that you love to hear from? Maybe that person um, that is a musician, that person that you love to hear from, maybe they're a famous thinker, a teacher, a speaker, a politician. Maybe they're a famous YouTuber or a famous Instagram influencer. Again, who is that person that you follow? Who is that person that you are following or learning from day 
today. You see, the truth is that you're following something or some ideology or someone. And humans, we were created to worship, and our hearts are these little idol factories that actually love to worship people and things and ideas more than God. You see, the truth is that we are all followers or learners of something. In learners of something. In other words, we are disciples of something or someone. So who are you a follower of? Who are you a learner or disciple of? Learner and disciple are the same idea, same word in the original language. So you see, Jesus told us what a disciple was and how to make disciples. And in living out our ultimate mission to love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations for God's glory, we actually have a clear mission to who we are to follow in following our triune God, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in, uh, and in our mission, it is super clear that we are to make disciples of other people. And so as we look at our text today, God's word mainly in Luke 24, 36, we'll look at a few other passages, actually teach us to worship and learn what it means to be a follower or a learner or a disciple of Jesus. Those are all synonyms. And so being a disciple is following God and living life with people, not alone, and teaching and learning about how to love God and love people to be these true disciples that make disciples. And so God's word clearly teaches us how to be a disciple and how to make disciples. So let's read Luke 24 through 36. Luke 24 through 36. And this is Luke's version of what is known as the Great Commission. Matthew's the famous one. We'll look at that. But this is Luke's version. We'll read a little more. And starting in verse 36, Luke 24, 36. I encourage you again, if you have a Bible, if you have a device, turn it on, flip there. Uh, we want to be people of the word, looking at the word. And pray that the Spirit actually allows those words to stick in your heart and stick in your head as you look at them. All right. So Luke 24, 36, we'll go all the way, we'll end the chapter in 53. So as they were talking about these things, Jesus' resurrection, that he just came back to life, that he had uh, uh, appeared on the Emmaus Road, and he also explained that he was in the Old Testament, pretty cool. After those things had happened, verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were, were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still, stand, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day. Rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. 
And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Again, today from our text in Luke 24, 36 to 53, we're going to worship and learn that we must be true disciples of Jesus for our first point. That we must be true disciples who make disciples for our second point. And our third point is simply, so let's go and make disciples. And we'll talk about some ways we can do that. Again, the big idea, to summarize all of that, is we're going to learn that we must be true disciples who make disciples. Again, God's word will clearly teach us how to be a disciple and how to make disciples. And as we've studied the last few weeks in the Great Commandment, we learned that to to start this journey, you have to love God. This is what it means to be a true disciple, to be someone who loves God, who loves his gospel story, this beautiful gospel story of repenting and believing Or turning away from sin and turning to Jesus and understanding the depths of the story. But we must know the story. And the story is simply of creation, that God made everything good. All of us, all our different uh, colors and shapes and sizes and our backgrounds, like God saw that and he knew that he wasn't confused when Adam and Eve failed. And so after the creation came the fall. And so after this fall, God was not caught off guard and was like, oops, I made a mistake. No, he actually was writing the perfect story. And so in that fall, he knew Adam and Eve would fall, and he knew he would pass that sin on to us and that we would then need a Savior. We would need a Redeemer. It's why our church's name is Redeemer, code name Jesus. We need Jesus to come save us, this one who they just experienced in our text, this one who lived this perfect life. And, and then they saw, they all abandoned him, all the, the disciples, And then Jesus lived 30 years of perfection and then died and and, and then rose again, guys, and gave us his hope. And then this is the part of the story when they they see him and he's like, hey, I'm not a ghost. I'm actually alive. That's what the word spirit means in the Greek, ghost. He had to convince them that he wasn't a ghost. He said, touch me. And then he said, he ascended. And this is where we get to this great commission. He says, I promise, behold, I am with you, he says in Matthew. I'm going to be with you. I'm coming back the same way I left. So we see The creation, the fall, and then Jesus comes and brings redemption. He offers this salvation to us, and he he tells us to to repent and believe, to turn away from sin and to turn to believing, to turn away from Satan's kingdom and turn to God's kingdom and to believe. That's it, to repent and believe. Luke is going to say this repentance of sins, but repentance and belief are always tied together when salvation is at hand. So that's what it means to love God. And then to know that he's going to recreate. As he created, he will recreate. There will be a new creation or a restoration. And he, all the pain and all the drama and all the things that we've been through will make sense. We're going to have new bodies. He's going to come back and judge the world. We're not the judges of the world. He will set it right, and we will reign with him in, with new bodies, guys. That's our hope. And so this story, we must love that story. We must be about. That's the story that disciples tell. There's a lot of disciples that tell the wrong gospel, and they're telling the wrong story. But we must love God. That's why it's the first point of our mission statement, and we can't skip it. We have to review that. So we firstly know, our first point, we must be true disciples of Jesus, not fake disciples, not people who think they're disciples. We're going to talk about what it means to be a true disciple. We, We need to truly love God if we are to make disciples. That leads to love of people. We learn in the Great Commission. You see, we we have to start with loving God, and I want to show us some other places in the Bible that show what it means to be a disciple or a learner. 
So before we get into our main text, uh, feel free to listen, or if you're, you're a follower, uh, like seeing the text, I'll, I'll say the references and follow with me. But I mainly want you to hear this language of what a true disciple is, what a true lover of God is, or in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this, this God-fearer, this one who, who, who has reverence toward God. And so what is discipleship? Guys, it's connected to the process of being a disciple. So we say this word discipleship, right, is connected to being a disciple. And so, and that's, that's helpful. It's connected to being this disciple who is growing or being sanctified, more holy. And they're growing in, in learning of what? The learners learn about who? Jesus. So a disciple is simply a learner or a student of God. Don't ever stop being a student of God. Being a disciple or being in the process of discipleship can be synonymous. Um, so, so being a disciple or discipleship in its most simple form means this process of learning how to love God and people more. That's it. You see, the church is this vehicle. That's why you have to be involved in a local church. That's how you, the Bible says we love one another first. That's how the world will know that you're making disciples. A lot of us are like, oh, I got to go to my neighbor and do all this stuff. That's fine. But you got to be loving the church first, and that's what God uses. He says in John 13, 34 through 35, 31 through 35, if you want to go look, he says that they will know, the world will know that you're my disciples. That's the best evangelism we can do if you love one another. And so being a disciple, again, is, is who you are in Christ, a learner or a student of God, and the church should be guiding you in this process of being a disciple or in discipleship or literally being just a learner of Christ. And so there are different ways that people see discipleship or this idea of being a disciple. Again, being a disciple is simply the process of, of discipleship or literally being a learner of Christ. So that is, what, this, this is what, that is what the word disciple meant in the original language. It just meant to be a student, uh, a pupil um, of a teacher. And so discipleship and making disciples is not a program. Or having coffee with someone. All those things are good. So, hey, man, I want to meet every week and we just have coffee and talk about Jesus and stuff like that. That's fine. That's not discipleship. That's what a lot of times the modern church, it's not doing a Bible study. Those things can be good. Those things can be part of discipleship. But that's not what's actually happening. Discipleship, again, can happen in those settings. But really biblically, you see this thing, that this idea of what is called like holistic discipleship. It's every part of your life. Being a disciple or a learner or entering discipleship relationships is what it means to be a Christian or a lover of God and people. It's, it's essential to our ultimate mission. Sometimes, you know what people need, especially young people? They need to be taught, get a job. Wake up, brush your teeth. That's what we tell our kids, right? Brush your teeth, get a job. That's some of the best discipleship. You're like, I, I'm not a theologian. Doesn't matter. Do you know? Do you have common sense? You know how to wake up. You know how to take a bath. You know how to do these things. That's how we teach people. Same thing in Christianity. There's literally, if you want to help someone who is homeless, you might need to tell them, teach them life skills first, right? You give them the gospel, but don't forget to give them life skills. That's part of discipleship, right? And that's what we forget. We all bring something to the table. Each one of you have specific special gifts by the Holy Spirit. Some of you may be good at business. Some of you may be engineers. Some of you may be talkers and be able to communicate. Some of you may be good writers. I don't know. Some of you have this capacity to serve, but we're all different. And God has given us this capacity in different ways that we come together as a body and sharpen each other and help each other. So we have to be in these discipleship relationships. That's what it means to be a Christian or a lover of God and people. 
And again, I want to look at a few other texts to help us understand this call and this cost of discipleship, of what it means to make disciples and being a disciple. So listen to Luke 14. It shows us um, how a disciple thinks and what it means to be a, a disciple. Again, don't get confused as we read this in the next few sections of the scripture that I will share with you. You may be tempted to think um, that you become a disciple by your own effort or earning salvation. We cannot ever earn true discipleship or, or, or salvation or, or being God lovers. We can't earn salvation. That's a satanic way of thinking and trapping you. God is the one who saves you, and he, in, he initiates the ability for us to be saved. The Bible says. So we are to respond to God, yes, but don't ever think that you've saved yourself. That's demonic. Remember, God is not opposed to effort as far as you doing good. He never is, but he is opposed to earning in regard to salvation. He first loved us, the Bible said. This is the beginning of loving God. A lot of times in church, we're like, oh, I got saved when I was a kid. I did this. I did this. That's fine. It's actually God's like, I woke you up. That's what, it, that's what happened. You didn't do much. You didn't do anything. So when we have been loved by God and we've been, in a sense, our, our, our veil taken off our face, that's how we enter into this true discipleship relationship. So in the text we're about to read, Jesus is saying all of this to set up and give a vision or a picture of what a true, true disciple of his would actually look like. Remember, this was before he had died, and, and, and the, the disciples or the learners that had followed him, eventually many of them left him. All of them did. And they were, uh, um, they, a lot of these people that had followed Jesus, not the initial 12, although when he went to the cross, they all kind of scattered. But we see this in John, we see this throughout the, new, the Gospels, that there were these disciples or these learners, and what did they do? When, when things got tough, they bowed out. That's, that's a pattern you're going to see. People are going to act like Christians, um, and they're going to bow out because they're not really saved. That happens. And sometimes people leave churches for other reasons. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about actual people abandoning the faith. It's popular today to call it reconstruction. There was no, there was no construct, there was nothing there. There was nothing, there was no foundation. You can't reconstruct because there was no foundation. Does that make sense? So that's what's actually happening. Just like in Jesus' day, nothing new. These people, he says these people left. They never truly loved God. Or better yet, said like Paul says, they were never loved by God. Or they, God never knew them. And so I've come across this many times in my discipleship journey. People that I invested in, I gave everything to, I taught them. They were excited for a little season. Read Hebrews 6, 4, and 6. It says they've been tasted or enlightened by this, and then they left. Or they abandoned, in a sense, the, 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 this idea of being a disciple. So there are actually fake disciples and fake believers. And, man, it may be some of you in here today, and my encouragement is, like, don't stay there. God doesn't want you to stay there. It's not a condemnation. If he's called you and showed you the true gospel, he wants you to turn to him and believe. So listen to these words in Luke 14, 26 through 27. Jesus says, don't get mad at me, get mad at Jesus, okay, if it, if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple or my learner. Whoever does not bear his own cross after you get saved, is what he's saying, and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we see there is a suffering involved in following Jesus. This is not earning salvation, but knowing there is suffering that is actually coming, and a true disciple counts the cost of discipleship. So after conversion from God, this is how disciples think. After we're saved, 
we think the way um, Jesus just said. Now look at the bottom part of this. This is how disciples of Christ think. So if you're not thinking this way, there's, there's a problem. Later on in Luke 14, 33 says, Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has. He's talking about possessions and stuff, ideas. He says, you cannot be my disciple. Man, we got to be not just willing to let everything go, but actively doing that. That's what most, oh, yeah, willing to, willing to follow Jesus. No, are you actually renouncing things? Do you love your car, your job, your future spouse, some weird idea that you have more than God, more than what he's calling you to do? Jesus is saying that in being a true disciple or lover of God, of God there is a cost to your earthly life. There is suffering that awaits you. Good morning, sorry. That's what Jesus said, but not sorry. That only he can sustain you through. That's what it means to abide in Jesus and grow. There is a cost in being his child in this life. But guys, it's worth it. And he's saying that in comparison to everyone and everything else, your love for him must look like hate compared to everything else. You may be like, "But, but am I supposed to reject my family? Well, maybe in some cases, yes. If they make you deny Jesus, if they don't, he may be calling you to love your family more and more. If they actually talk to you and, and want to have a relationship, Jesus is the greatest philosopher. So don't take what he's saying and twist it. He may be calling you to love your family more and more. And if you love God correctly, you will love your family correctly. He's not saying neglect your responsibilities, but the opposite. We should know our ultimate responsibility is to love him more than anyone or anything. And then you can actually start to love people correctly and make disciples. So we spend a lot of time on what a true disciple is. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Just catch that idea a little more. Jesus says, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Not become a better version of you, not work out more, not be stronger, not have more money in the bank. Deny yourself. Some of you have gifts, and God is saying, You know what? That's great. I gave you that for the church, not for you to be rich and famous and make money. And some of you may be rich and famous and make money. There, there, there's a line there, right? Most of us, we just want our gifts for our glory. And God's saying, I actually called you to deny yourself. Verse 25, for whoever saves his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with angels in glory of his father. Do you see the new creation here? And he will repay each person according to what he has done. So we will suffer, yes, but in Christ's sustaining glory and love, we will and can find life as disciples in Christ right now. Jesus says we must deny ourselves, that we'll lose our lives to find it in him. He says the Father will judge the world. Our job isn't to judge the world. So as lovers of God, our goal is to make disciples. So let's look back in our text and look at the, the latter half. Um, well, I'm, we'll look back and we'll uh, kind of uh, looking the idea of 44 through 49, thinking of that. We'll kind of walk, walk through it all real quickly. But in that, in that second section, um, it, it helps us see this idea of, of, of what it means to make disciples. But in that first section, we see that we must be these true disciples of Jesus, that we, we, we learn that, that we need to truly love God by understanding his gospel because the authority comes from him to make disciples. And so with that idea, um, 
We're going to look at the next section now, and, and, and I'll read all of it and walk us through that first section again, but to summarize, the point is that it is our first point, that we must be true disciples of Jesus. And so let's look at that section again and walk through it real quickly. Luke 24, um, I'll walk through 36 through 44, just read it and kind of remember that idea of the first point, and then we'll look at um, 47 and the rest of it, the rest of Luke 24. So uh, Luke says again, as they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit or a ghost, a phantasm is the word in the original language. And then Jesus said to them, verse 38, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, he's calling them to be true disciples, not fake ones. He says, see my hands, see my feet, that it is myself. Jesus reveals himself to them. Touch me and see, for a spirit, a ghost, does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved, they still didn't believe, but they had this joy for joy, and they were marveling. That not that just sound like humanity, being a true disciple of Christ? Like sometimes you have doubt, right? It's this mix of joy and marveling, but also having this disbelief. That's what Jesus does. He calls us to abide to fight through that tension. He's the one who says, look at me. I'm the one who makes you a true disciple, not yourself. Then Jesus is like, hey, I just want some bread. You got, I mean, you got some food. They gave him some fish. He showed that he was human. That was what he was doing there. I'm this, I, I, yep, I got a body and I, I want to eat. And he ate it. Now look at verse 44. We're going to see our second point, that we must be true disciples. Now, if you're a true disciple, you're actually going to make disciples. So that's the, the, the challenge today. Guys, are you making disciples? Who is following you? Who are you investing in? If you're 20-something years old, you got 20 people, 20 years of people below you to make a disciple of. And usually you disciple people, you know, 5 or 10 years above, older than you and younger than you. So be encouraged. Everybody here, I think, is, other than some of the kids, older than 20. you got 20 years of people you can disciple that will listen to you, that think you're the expert. You may not be, but they think that, right? you got something to give. you got some city miles, right? You went to high school and college, and now you're working. And then some of us have, have gone past that stage and have kids. You have something to give if you know Christ. So we must be true disciples who make disciples. And so we need to be disciples or, or, or disciple makers is what we could call that. We need to be these people that can invest. And so I'm going to walk us through the end of Matthew here, and then we'll look at... Um, also, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and see the similarities. So follow with me, Luke 24, 44 through the end. It says, Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's saying, You want to be a disciple of me? Do you love the Bible? Do you love my words that I've left you? That's what we got. He walked, before this, he, he walked these guys in, and he says he revealed the scriptures to them. Look at verse 45. He says, then he opened, now he's doing this to his disciples, he opened their minds. Did they open their own minds? Did they save themselves? Could they? No, he opened their minds. If that bothers you, that God's the one who initiates your salvation, wrestle with the Bible. That's what the Bible says. You did nothing. We just opened our minds to see him. Everybody actually deserves hell. That's what the Bible says. Nobody deserves Jesus. If you think people deserve Jesus, again, that's a fallacy. It's wrong. We all deserve hell. Nobody, but God is so gracious that he sent his son, that he would save many of us. Amen. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And God, I, I believe, 
doesn't make mistakes, and he's brought you here, if you don't know this gospel, to either clarify that in your soul or to call you to himself for the first time. And so we need to know the scriptures. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ, that the Christ, the Messiah, this one who was supposed to come, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, not some, all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So that, that next 46 through 47, this idea of repentance is talked about. You see in Acts, Luke is the one who wrote Luke. He's also the one who wrote Acts. And if you look at Luke's writings are consistent. He'll say repentance sometimes. He will say belief. He'll say repentance and belief. That's what it means to be saved. That's a lover of God. He's just summarizing. Here is a clear understanding that belief is implied if you repent. Now, the Bible says in James that the demons believe and they suffer. It doesn't say the demons repent and believe. I mean, they shudder. The demons believe in God, and they shudder or they shake. So they have more um, respect for God than humanity does sometimes. But the, the difference there is that belief is, is, doesn't have repentance. God opens your mind, you can repent. So God hasn't opened the mind of, he doesn't open the mind of demons. Um, and so repentance and belief always go together. In the redemption part of the gospel, that's what's happening. So in that, uh, let's keep walking. Jesus said he's going to do this to all nations. He said, beginning from Jerusalem, that's where the church started. And he says, you disciples, you, you guys who left me and abandoned me, who feel weak and who feel like you don't know anything, you are my witnesses. You are the ones who are going to witness means testify about me. And he says, behold, he's like, don't worry, guys. Pay attention. Look, listen, I got you. He says this in Matthew 2. Behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. Who's the promise of the Father? It's the Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power of the Spirit from on high. We have power of a holy God in us if you know Christ. Then he says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, lifting up his hands. And he, Jesus blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. That's his ascension. And they worshipped him. Disciples worship. And, and they returned to Jeru Jerusalem. They were obedient to go back home. And they to, to, to did it with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And so they continued to bless God. So this is what disciples do. This is what they look like. Let's look at Matthew 28. And we're going to go over this real quickly. But I want us to see some of the uh, similarities in Matthew 28, 16 through uh, 20. And so this is another, this is the famous Great Commission. It feels like it's a little more complete in that what it tells the disciples to do. So I just want to go over that real quick. Look at verses 16 through 20, Matthew 28. It says, now the 11 disciples, remember Judas had uh, bowed out, um, went to Galilee. Think about that too. Jesus had a Judas. Do you think he was caught off guard? Oops, my bad, Judas. He said like a billion times, one of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to betray me. It was Judas. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus allowed, Judas did miracles. Judas, Judas healed people. He, he, he was over the money. Like he was a trusted dude. And Judas betrayed Jesus. He was a fake disciple. That's scary to think about. But you think when those people pop up in your life, do you think God doesn't see you or know? No, he's not dumb. Don't let those things uh, shake up your faith. They're part of the journey. Go look at Paul. In 2 Timothy, his last letter, he's like, this dude abandoned me, this dude abandoned me, this dude abandoned me, and there's just a few. He's talking to Timothy, bring my cloak. And so that's just part of the journey. 
I encourage you to be faithful, to walk a life, a lifetime of faithfulness. Satan is going to make you want to attempt you to bow out. There's John Marks too. John Mark, who is actually a believer, who we see like abandon Paul. And Paul's like, get that dude out of here. He, he, he's, he's lazy. He's pointless. <laughs> he, he, ain't, he ain't no good to me. I think Paul was a pretty uh, stubborn, stern dude. And then what happens? John Mark comes back and is useful to Paul later on. That's interesting. Um, that's, Paul was human too, right? And John Mark was human. So wherever we are in that journey, just know it, it, it can be a struggle. Look at Matthew 28 real quickly. It said, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. It's kind of what's happening in Luke. To the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, and some doubted. They had unbelief. And Jesus came and said to them, oh, we're going to sing this later on, all authority in heaven. It's not you. It's not in you. It's not in anybody else. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus is saying. He, now is what he tells us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So the, 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 the go there is not the verb. It's not the main action. He's actually saying, as you're going... As you're living your life, as you're going to work, going to school, as you're going, make disciples. That's the point. So this is what Christians do. This is what true believers do. We make disciples. Then he tells us how to do that. Make disciples, he says, not of me, although that's implied, right? That's why we put this in our mission statement. Of Jesus, I mean, he doesn't say of Jesus Christ. He says of all what? Nations. Huh. He cares about people. He cares about different nations. This gospel would go to the whole world. He says then baptize them, which means to immerse them. It meant to immerse or put people like underwater. It means they get all of the Jesus, all of it, not just a little bit, all of it. So, yes, it talked about it meant baptizing, but it means more than that. It means immerse them in the gospel. That's how you make a disciple. You give people and yourself this deep understanding, this deep um, um, uh, immersion of who Christ is. He says and do that. Not in the fake God, in the real triune God, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, teaching them. Discipleship implies passing on something, teaching. He didn't say you have to to write a sermon or or a dissertation or be a theologian. No. Teaching them to observe what? To obey or observe what? All that I have commanded you. All the law. That's, oh, man, that's a lot, right? But where does it start? You can breathe deep. Where does it start? Loving God and loving people, the great commandment. And what we're, we're talking about today, the great commission. Love God, love people, make disciples of all nations, and, and we glorify God when we do that for God's glory. I promise if you do this, Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But young people, oftentimes, and just humans, we want to invert that. We want the job, we want the wife, we want the thing, we want the, this thing, that thing, and then we'll follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I've told you what to do. Seek first my face. Seek first my kingdom. And I'm going to give you the stuff. I'll take care of you. may not be exactly what you wanted, what you drew up when you were 5 or 10 or 15 or 20, but he's going he's to take care of you. And this is the call to follow Jesus. So we must make disciples. The words in Luke and Matthew are a little different, but we see that they are connected and that Jesus calls us to make disciples. So point three, guys, look. Let's go make disciples who make disciples. A few more thoughts and we'll end here. Are you truly loving God and people and making disciples? Like, can you be honest with God and say, yeah, I'm doing that? Or if you're not, man, just get real with the Lord. Say, I'm not. There's no one that's following me. Who am I investing in? Hey, if you got kids, you're making disciples. 
If you've got a brother and sister, you can easily make disciples of them. If you've got, um, I say this, if you've got parents that don't believe, respectfully, treat them like a father and mother. Don't Bible bash them. You can make a disciple of them with your consistency. Again, discipleship is not programmatic. God uses programs, but rather a disciple is living life with people. You've got to talk to people and know them and teaching them and learning about God, learning how to love God and people to be true disciples that make disciples. Oftentimes, guys, we are co-disciples. We learn from our peers. Or, or um, we are discipled by those actually that are uh, less in, in, in less maturity than us. My kids who are believers, they disciple me. They teach me things sometimes that I forget or miss. And we mainly see in the scriptures, we do mainly see that disciples are, that people are discipled by older people than them. And that's kind of the, the, the people that are more spiritually mature, not necessarily age-wise, but age sometimes has something to do with it. But that shouldn't scare you. The church is a body. This does not mean that they are better than you because they're older. Pastors are actually uh, the dumbest people I know <laughs> and the most sinful people I know. The reason we can hear and proclaim the gospel because I think we get that we're a mess. And, but, but because of our potential to be a mess, the real, I think, pastors that love the Lord are saying, Lord, refine that in me and let me teach others how to do that. Because you're a mess too, right, if we're honest. But in Christ, you don't have to identify as a mess. In Christ, you can be a real disciple that makes disciples. And so there are people that have lived longer than you, they've learned longer than you, and they've passed through a few more things. They have a few more sitting miles like a good coach they are there. They're older. This does not mean they are better than you. But in a sense, they just play the game longer, right? It doesn't mean they can make, you can probably make a better throw, hopefully like that today, um, probably make a better throw um, than, than someone older, right? But they just, they just know the offense better. They know where you should be. They know the football better. Whatever other analogy we have, they've played the game longer. If you're older, and are like, but, but what do I have to offer? I've made all these mistakes, and I've got nothing to give. Offer your mistakes. Minister those mistakes. Minister the things you've done. Y'all, again, someone in here, everyone in here is older than someone, even the little babies, <laughs> technically, right? God gave us pain and tears. He gave all that for you to make disciples, so don't waste your pain and tears. All the junk you've been through, God gave you that as fuel to make disciples. Spiritual maturity is actually seeing your weakness, and that's what you pass on to others so that they can see their weakness and, and, and their deep, desperate need of Jesus and his gospel more and more every day. And mom and dad, your most cr crucial disciples are your kids. Many parents drop the ball here and outsource discipleship to a school or to a church or to activities over discipling their own kids. Your kids are part of the church. And so how are you discipling them in the love of God? And just because you have a family mom or dad, that doesn't mean that you stop making disciples of other people. We, we continue to do that as well. Some people can make that mistake, again, um, where, where, where we get so busy, we're just like, I only focus on my family and Mike. No, like we make disciples of people still with kids. Again, the question is, where are our priority, priorities? Are we losing our lives? Are we finding joy and love in God? Are you putting other things over making disciples? Family is important, but, but we can't put that over making disciples. Um, we have to, to hear that great commission call and not live in fear and say, God, how can I use my resources, my house, my time? 
I may have kids, it may be harder. Young single person or young married person, who are you discipling? Who are you investing in? Are you taking any risk in trying to meet and talk to people? And I know a lot of you, Redeemer, I see you doing that. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Do it for 10 years, 15 years. You're like, but there's no fruit. So keep doing it. That's what God said. Keep doing it. Be faithful with the little things. Be faithful with the little things. Keep doing it. Be encouraged. Also, you must know who is discipling you. This is the church and other mature believers' responsibility to disciple you. You need to be discipled too. And this is this holistic discipleship. So we must be one who is a disciple, being discipled, that is making disciples. Or said in another way, being a disciple is one who is a learner of Jesus, who is learning, and that is making other learners of Jesus. So are you part of a church body doing this? Are you being discipled by other believers? Remember, there are no Lone Ranger believers. You can't do it on your own. You can't. We need other people. God is calling you to do this with the people. So a few thoughts on how to do that. You're like, man, I, I want to make disciples. Like, I don't know where to start. Like, what do I do? Man, just pray to God. Be, be humble and say, Lord, I want to learn from you. I want to make disciples. And you know what you, how you start if you're shy? That's okay. I used to be really shy. Um, just talk to people. It's, talk to them respectfully and in a real way. And some people will say, that, that person's weird. You're weird. I'm out of here. But a lot of people will listen. And then as you enter those relationships, listen to people. How, do you, how can you disciple them if you don't know what they're going through, don't know what they need? Listen in a real respectful way. Invest in people. Investing meaning spend time with them. Uh, this will lead you to making disciples. Now, those things like meals, coffee, talking about the scripture, playing a sport together, c- a community, eating together, being part of a discipleship group, a disciple group that we have, or any other, like living life with people. Taking a trip with them, doing something like that. That's how you make disciples. And so, so we must make learners. This is how we love people. This is how we make disciples. Deci- we don't make converts. Jesus never said you had to save anybody. He's got that. But he tells us to make disciples. Of the non-believer or the believer, you make a disciple. I teach my kids the same thing as if they were a believer. Now, there's some nuance there, right? There's some nuance and some um, things you have to work through. But generally, it's the same gospel. It's the same message. And so just to encourage everyone, like it takes courage. And, and one of the biggest ways to be a disciple is you must have courage. God said, behold, pay attention, I'm with you. And then another way of thinking of discipleship is just putting courage into people. Putting a little bit of courage into people. Say, you guys can do it. You can make disciples. And so that's what I hope to do is to encourage you. Like you guys are doing it. I've seen a lot of you here at Redeemer doing it. And my encouragement is to keep doing it. Put courage in people. And so... Just to summarize, we, we learned today that we must be true disciples who make disciples. And so let's go do it. Let's go do it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, Lord, your word talks a lot about discipleship. It models this. And so, Lord, just teach us. I pray through the power of your spirit, Lord. Just teach us how to make disciples wherever anyone is here today. If they need to become a disciple for the first time, Lord, open their hearts and minds. Lord, as we process and think of how awesome and wonderful you are, Lord, we're encouraged that you have given us this thing to steward, this discipleship.
And so, Lord, we trust you with that. Let us um, just worship you now. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.